Here it is! From deep inside your radio. Ladies and gentlemen, this, if any program in this series can be said to have a theme, and they can't, but this one is, is going to come closer than uh, almost any. Because there's, there's so much information this week um, relating to secrecy. But um, before we get to that, other things to talk about, including some personal notes. There are three weeks left to come see. Now, uh, let me backtrack. The West End of London is uh, this city's equivalent of Broadway in New York. And uh, so there's three weeks left for you to see uh, the if you happen to be in London or if you just want to, you know, screw the rent and the, the house payments and the car payments and, and fly over here to see this play that I'm in with two really remarkable British actors, Maureen Lipman and uh, Oliver Cotton, a new play called Daytona. Not about auto racing, um, but three more weeks and then uh, we pack it up and go on the road. But it's a, it's a beautiful theater. It's a wonderful play and <laughs> I'm, I'm in it. Um, also, a couple years before the whole Nixon, books about Nixon tapes started rolling out to uh, coincide with the 40th anniversary of his resignation from the presidency. I uh, made a, a television series that aired here in Great Britain uh, based on the daffier conversations in the Nixon White House tapes. Nothing to do with Watergate or Vietnam, just the craziness in that office. Um, as I say, it hasn't been seen in the United States yet for wonderful reasons, but this week, to coincide with the actual date of the resignation anniversary, I believe a little sneak preview will be coming your way. So watch for it. If, if you want to, you, you probably will hear about it, but if, if you're on my Twitter feed, you'll definitely hear about it. Now, what the frack? We've heard this before, but now we're hearing it again. Bloomberg News reports that while... Freshly fracked oil wells sent U.S. oil production soaring by 39% since 2011, the steepest climb in history. The U.S. is on track to become the world's biggest source of oil by 2015, according to the Energy Information Administration. But threatening to spoil that promise is the fact that the average flow from a shale gas well drops by about 50 to 75% in its first year, up to 78%. For oil, for a shale oil well, that's according to Pete Stark, senior research director at IHS Incorporated. The decline rate is a potential showstopper after a while, says Stark, a geologist with almost six decades in the oil business. You just can't keep up with it. It's because oil companies borrow money to drill these wells, and uh, then they so they're in debt, and then they drill these wells, and they get this one year of really great income out of them, and then the income starts declining, but they still have to pay off the well, so they have to drill more wells, they have to borrow more money to drill them. The industry has so far been able to live with the decline curve problem because operators have been able to get better initial production in wells through better technology. But Stark says if you don't have that improvement, then you get stuck after a while and have to drill more and more wells just to stay even, unquote. Another interesting development, you've heard about neonicotinoids, the insecticides now being blamed more and more 
for the colony collapse disorder among American and I think also British honeybees. Well, well, sir, nicotine-related insecticides widely used on crops are finding their way into the food we eat and the water we drink. According to two national studies published in the past two months, study released this week by the U.S. Geological Survey found neonicotinoids, which are exploding in use in the farm belt, in nine Midwestern rivers, including the Missouri and the Mississippi. Last month, a study by the Harvard School of Public Health found neonicotinoids in fruits, vegetables, and honey purchased from grocery stores. The Minnesota Department of Agriculture is weighing stronger enforcement of pesticide use. The human effect, the health effects of neonicotinoids aren't fully understood, but the bees don't like it. The Harvard scholars said their findings suggest it's a pressing, pressing question since washing the produce might not remove the chemicals. Because uh, the neonicotinoids are applied in the seed stage of the plants. Isn't that cute? Not wacky, and not nice. The, um, I guess the answer is, don't eat. Hello, welcome to the show. Outside my window. Not long before sleep arrives, they come with the sirens and they sweep away all the boys, busy draining the joy from their lives. They never said their prayers out loud, and while I'm dreaming, there's a passing motor car that broadcasts a popular song, and a girl appears to be saying. Do you think that I'm going to go far? Don't look at me, I'm having the time of my life Or something quite like it When I'm walking out and about In London's brilliant parade She's one of those girls that you just can't place You feel guilty, desiring such an innocent face But I guess they knew that when they cast her Along with the Red Road Master And the film takes place in an MGB The perfect recreation of a speakeasy All the people look happy and twisted Though she probably never existed Especially at twilight Looking through the bolts and the gutters Into the water below You'll never find your answer there They sounded the all clear In the Occidental Bazaar That used to be Oxford Street Now the empty boys in the city Finally tasting defeat Don't look at me I'm having the time of my life Or something quite like it When 
from London, England, home of London's brilliant parade. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. You know, the our friends, the bankers, um, whom Lloyd Blankfein, the head of uh, Goldman Sachs, described a few years ago as doing God's work. God appears to be a criminal. Bank of America was ordered to pay $1.3 billion by a judge this week for a, quote, brazen fraud <laughs> in which bank staff sold toxic mortgages to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the government-backed mortgage companies. The decision was a blow to the bank, says the Financial Times. came as its lawyers met Department of Justice officials in Washington to negotiate a settlement over separate allegations that the bank missold mortgage-backed securities, securities based on toxic mortgages. That's why they're called securities. Now, if you, if you engaged in brazen fraud, would you be allowed to negotiate with the, the prosecutors? A person familiar with the discussion said the two sides made progress on reaching a settlement at least 10 times bigger, between 13 and $17 billion to resolve those claims. Meanwhile, in his ruling, Judge Jed Rakoff, sort of a hero among those who follow this stuff for his independent-minded verdicts that have hit companies and government agencies in recent years, he issued a damning assessment of the actions at Bank of America's countrywide mortgage unit. Bank of America bought it after everything went... <laughs> countrywide set up a scheme in August 2007 called the High Speed Swim Lane, or HHSL, or Hustle which fast-tracked risky mortgages for sale without proper checking on the borrower's ability to repay the loan. Yes, those, those, those naughty borrowers. Judge Rakoff said, while the HHSSL process lasted only nine months, it was from start to finish the vehicle for a brazen fraud by the defendants driven by a hunger for profits and oblivious to the harms thereby visited, not just on the immediate victims, but also on the financial system as a whole. His assessment of the penalty was below the government's request of $2.1 billion, but greatly in excess of what the bank hoped to pay. The Bank of Opportunity. The case was unusual in that Bank of America chose to fight it at trial rather than try to settle. And uh, uniquely, perhaps, or at least unusually in cases like this, Judge Rakoff imposed a penalty of a million dollars on one of the people involved. In the fraud, not just on the institution, or uh, uh, Rebecca Maroon, a countrywide employee who led the scheme and later moved to a job at J.P. Morgan Chase. Sure, we'll hire fraud, fraudulent. As of July 1st, she was no longer an employee of J.P. Morgan, a bank spokesman said. Judge Rakoff said she most aggressively pushed forward the fraud and most scathingly denounced those who raised concerns. He allowed her to pay the fine over time rather than a lump sum. Layaway fraud. He did note that other higher-level individuals arguably participated in the fraud, but were, for whatever reason, not charged by the government. Hmm. No, indeed. And, on a related subject, news from outside the bubble. The Bank of England is unveiling a plan which may see rule-breaking bankers return their bonuses up to seven years after being given them, according to the BBC. Losses, poor risk management, 
fraud, another bad behavior could trigger these so-called clawbacks. Even if bonuses paid in shares have been cashed and spent, the move could mean money paid to bankers breaking the rules can still be demanded back. The rules are among the world's toughest. This comes days after Lloyd's Bank was fined about $400 million for serious misconduct over manipulating the LIBOR rate for yen and sterling and the U.S. dollar. This was a a rate that was used as a benchmark to set other interest rates, and they put the lie in LIBOR. It also manipulated submissions for another short-term rate linked to the value of U.K. government debt. The Bank of England governor called such misconduct reprehensible. There will also be new proposals that could see negligent bankers sent to jail. The British Bankers Association maintains the rules will give English banks or British banks at a disadvantage to their foreign competitors and could see top bankers and the tax they contribute go elsewhere because they pay much in taxes. You gotta laugh when you read news from outside the bubble, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it's a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now, for your listening pleasure, News of the Atom. Are you uh, making vacation plans? Everybody's out of London now. You're you're still here. Yeah, I like the uh, open, wide open spaces in London now. You do more room to spin. More than three years after the meltdown in Fook, the effect that the radiation release is having on children's thyroid glands still weighs heavily on residents' minds. The iodine one thirty one released into the air by the meltdown accumulates in the thyroid gland, increasing the risk of thyroid cancer. The Fouke Prefectural Government in October 2011 started offering free thyroid screenings. Say that real fast three times. Free thyroid screenings. That's once. That's enough. For everyone who was 18 or younger at the time of the disaster. 300,000 had received voluntary checkups by the end of March. The program looks good on paper, says the Japan Times, but it's drawn flack from medical experts who say it is far from adequate in determining a link between the cancers found and radiation exposure. At the core of the criticism is the government's policy of not releasing data on the results of the checkups, such as what stage of cancer the examinees are in. This lack of disclosure, based on privacy policies, has made it hard for experts to accurately judge whether the abnormally high incidence of thyroid cancer in Fouke is being caused by the nuclear debacle or by the higher rate of screening. In addition, the prefecture has no authority to follow up on children who test positive for cancer, meaning the data on the medical effect of the aftermath of disaster will be limited. Privacy is a good thing. The prefecture has found 90 children with suspected thyroid cancer after nearly 300,000 examinations. That's as high compared with a thyroid cancer registry rate of around 1 to 9 per million teens in Japan, according to the experts. Department of Energy in this country proposes to leave some groundwater contamination near the Columbia River to dissipate 
over 35 to 150 years. This is uh, near the Hanford Nuclear Reservation. You have a reservation? No. That's not uh, pleasing some agencies, including the Hanford Advisory Board, representing a broad cross-section of local government, environmental health, and worker interests. This is the first reactor area along the river to be addressed with a final proposed plan. It could set a precedent for how cleanup is completed around the other eight plutonium production reactors at Hanford. Most of the environmental cleanup around this F reactor has been completed. But there'll be uh, just DOE proposing natural attenuation to clean the groundwater. Biodegradation, biodegradation, dispersion, dilution, and radioactive decay. It would protect human health and the environment and be cost-effective, according to the Department of Energy, saying the conditions do not currently present a risk to people, plants, or animals. What about Adams? I, I don't think they're concerned about you. Figures. Dismantling the San Onofre nuclear power plant in Southern California will take two decades and cost $4.4 billion to dismantle. It's big. The plant. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. Should cost $4.4 billion. The price tag could make it the most expensive decommissioning in the 70-year history of nuclear power. Spent radioactive fuel will be held at the site indefinitely, according to a game plan from Southern California Edison. It, 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 it's not a game? It's not a game. The plant was shut down, as you may remember, after a small radiation leak led to the discovery of extensive damage to steam generator tubes in 2012. So they're going to restore the property over two decades, beginning in 2016. As early as 2019, the spent nuclear fuel will be transferred from cooling ponds to dry storage in reinforced steel canisters, where it would remain until the federal government comes up with a permanent storage plan. You mean never? I mean never. Highly radioactive reactor parts will be stored in canisters, while those with lower levels of contamination will be taken to disposal sites in Texas and Utah. The canister states. That's right. Edison estimates the decommissioning process will have minimal impact on local air and groundwater quality or on noise and traffic congestion. You can take that to the bank. It's Edison. That's right. You know they mean it. An inquest committee in Japan, back in Japan, decided this week that three TEPCO executives should face indictment for criminal negligence related to the nuclear accidents and the deaths of hospital patients during the evacuations that ensued. The Tokyo Public Prosecutor's Office will be charged with reinvestigating the case after deciding to, uh, last year not to bring criminal charges. The Asahi Shimbun reports the executives in question are the former chairman of TEPCO and two former vice presidents. It's just the blame game. It is. It is just the blame game. And so much more. Two Florida energy companies are petitioning regulators to charge customers to cover the cost of building nuclear plants the Florida Public Service Commission is going to address the issue. Duke Energy halted constructions of two nuclear plants after charging customers more than $1 billion to cover the construction costs. Now the company is asking to continue charging the customers for the unrecovered costs of the project that will not continue. Under Florida's nuclear cost recovery law, energy companies can charge customers an advance fee to build nuclear power plants. But Duke halted construction on the plants a year ago. Representatives from Duke Energy then respond to interview requests by the uh, WFSU, our, our affiliate 
down there doing some fine work. Um, it's basically like an enforced loan, isn't it? You asking me? I no. Asking the audience. You make people pay you money in advance to build something that you then never build, but you still want the money. Sounds like a good deal to me. But I don't understand finance. Dateline, more about Duke Energy, by the way. Dateline, Columbia, South Carolina. Operators did not take all possible precautions to prevent a radioactive water leak that led to shutdown of a South Carolina nuclear reactor, Duke Energy officials said, saying they're going to learn from their mistakes. Duke Energy agrees there were apparent violations, says the vice president for the Oconee nuclear station during a Nuclear Regulatory Commission meeting in Atlanta. No threat to the public or employees, said officials after this uh, Engineers detected flaws in the airtight steel-lined concrete containment building designed to prevent radiation from leaking into the air or ground. Regulators made no decisions public about the leak's safety significance. You want nuke? Call Duke. Hey, that's good. Yeah. Our old friend Tritium has a new friend, Cobalt. Everybody needs somebody. They were detected in groundwater monitoring wells at the Callaway Energy Center in Missouri. According to an event report filed with the NRC, workers received results of a sample taken late July from a new groundwater monitoring well. Adjacent to a manhole where the plant's discharging piping joins with the cooling tower blow-down piping. It's my favorite kind of piping. The uh, people in charge of the plant, MRN Missouri, said there's no effect on the drinking water. And backup samples were sent to a lab. And stigma, pay cuts, and risk of radiation exposure are among the reasons why 3,000 employees have left the Fook nuclear utility. And there's an additional factor now. Better paying jobs in the feel-good solar energy industry. Those teeth working for you? Yeah, they are. Never, lo- never too late to bail out of nuke. Clean, cheap, safe. Too lucrative to meet her. Our friend, the Atom. The weather here has been as nice as it can be. Doesn't really matter much to me For all the fun I'll have while You're so far away Might as well rain until
doesn't matter if the sky is gray or blue. It's raining in my heart, cause I can't be with you. This is the show. I, uh, I'm speaking to you from the gold microphone. It's not just Rush Limbaugh, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, talks into a gold microphone. His is painted gold. This one just has the word gold on it. Because uh, during the week, I guess, they play old music here. Fine, fine, fine old music. Gold, you know, gold. Anyway, now, ladies and gentlemen. Once I had a secret. That lived within the heart of me All too soon my secret became impatient to be free And my secret's no secret anymore Well... We're living in a, in a moment in time when a lot of secret stuff is coming out. This week is, is just a, a geyser of it. Uh, first news uh, about secrecy that uh, still is being maintained. The Providence Journal, we told you last week that uh, it is running into problems in getting information about the Rhode Island public employees' pension fund in, uh, investments in private equity, much like the California situation outlined by Eve Smith on this broadcast a couple weeks ago. The Providence Journal reports that the move to investing in hedge funds by the Rhode Island pens- pension system has generated roughly $70 million in fees for the financial industry, the same industry that has made major campaign contributions to Rhode Island treasurer Gina Raimondo's political campaigns. According to Go Local Providence, documents from the Treasurer's Office show that before Raimondo took office, Rhode Island investment fees were among the lowest of any state pension fund in the country, but under her, the cost of investment fees has nearly tripled. Some of those fees were paid to a financial firm created by Raimondo, that Rhode Island invested in under the previous Treasurer. Raimondo's personal blind trust fund still periodically earns income from the holdings in that financial firm. This is according to International Business Times. The confluence of new investments increased fees below average returns for Rhode Island taxpayers and Wall Street campaign contributions inevitably raised questions, which is why the Providence Journal was trying to get hold of those documents. Still can't. Increasingly sophisticated radar in China and Russia may soon be able to pierce the stealth armor on the new F-35 fighter jets. So long stealth. You, um, you folks with a technical bent will like this. The stealth coating on U.S.-made fifth-generation fighters 
shields the aircraft from high-frequency radars operating in the KU, X, and C bands of the radio magnetic spectrum and some of the S band, but not from the low-frequency systems utilizing UHF and VHF wavelengths. That's right. Those are the wavelengths analog TV used to broadcast on. So China and Russia are now working to develop radars on VHF and UHF. So keep your, keep your uh, old analog TVs and you'll be able to watch Russian radar, which will be precise enough to target the stealth, so-called previously stealth aircraft with a missile. Really secret stuff coming out. The National Security Agency last year significantly expanded its cooperative relationship with, guess what country? Guess the interior ministry of what country? Saudi Arabia. One of the world's most repressive government agencies, the Saudi Ministry of the Interior. This according to The Intercept. A memo provided by Edward Snowden details the NSA's plans to, quote, provide direct analytic and technical support to the Saudis. The Saudi Ministry of the Interior has been condemned for years as one of the most consistent human rights violators in the world. The State Department last year reported that the Ministry of Interior officials sometimes subjected prisoners and detainees to torture and other physical abuse. Specifically mentioning a 2011 episode in which MOI agents, Ministry of the Interior of Saudi Arabia, allegedly, quote, poured an antiseptic cleaning liquid down the throat of a human rights activist, unquote. Blech. The report also notes the ministry's use of invasive surveillance targeted at political and religious dissidents. But while the State Department was noting those abuses, the NSA worked to provide increased surveillance assistance to that very ministry, part of the administration's increasingly close ties with the Saudi regime. The memo describes a period of rejuvenation for the NSA's relationship with the Saudi Ministry of Defense as well. A secret 2007 NSA memo lists Saudi Arabia as one of four countries where the USA has, quote, an interest in regime continuity. Over the past year, the Saudi government has escalated its crackdown on activists, dissidents, and critics of the government. Well, there's your continuity right there. More secrecy coming to light. The uh, major European banks, UBS, Credit Suisse, and Deutsche Bank, have been drawn into a deepening investigation of banks' anonymous trading venues known as dark pools. Mmm. Sounds nice, doesn't it? This is from the Financial Times. All three received subpoenas from authorities demanding details of their operations. I think we talked about dark pools on this broadcast two, two or one or two weeks ago. UBS disclosed it was in contact with a number of authorities over its dark pool and the securities order routing and execution practices. Credit Suisse, operator of what was once known to be the world's largest dark pool trading facility until Citibank overtook it, has received a subpoena from the New York Attorney General. Dark pools allow investors to trade large blocks of shares anonymously without moving the market price against them. Now let's, let's unpack that for a moment, as they say. The folks who tell us how great markets are, the free market folks, are always telling us, you know, market forces work. Well, one of the ways market forces and, and one of the things we've bragged about in terms of the American economy is the transparency of our markets, particularly our stock markets. If 
you make a big enough purchase in the market, uh, other traders see that. It's transparently reflected on the ticker, previously the ticker tape, and they may react. And the price may change as a result. Well, people who buy big blocks of stock don't want the price to change. So to service them, the banks have set up these private exchanges where details of transactions are not reported publicly. Therefore, they're protected from price movements, from the forces of the market. That's what dark pools are. They've come under fire this year from regulators and lawmakers who allege they allow high-frequency traders to gain unfair advantages and trade ahead of other clients, so-called front-running. But the whole premise is to avoid market forces. And now, the, uh, the devil's food cake of the secrecy stuff this week, the director of the Central Intelligence Agency, John Brenner, Brennan, this week issued an extraordinary apology the apology of the week, you might say, to uh, leaders of the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee. Why? Well, because he told them something that wasn't true. He conceded the agency employees spied on Intelligence Committee staff, reversing months of furious public denials. This according to The Guardian. Brennan acknowledged that an internal investigation had found agency security personnel transgressed a firewall set up on a CIA network, which allowed Senate committee investigators to review agency documents for their inquiry into CIA rendition and interrogation practices. Agency officials conducted keyword searches and email searches on committee staff while they used the network. In March... Senator Dianne Feinstein, chairman of the Intelligence Committee, accused the agency of violating constitutional boundaries by spying on the Senate. She said the vindication from the CIA inspector general and Brennan's apology were positive first steps, but she said the director had more work to do before she'd consider the matter closed. Brennan has convened an internal accountability board that will examine whether the CIA officers involved should be disciplined. Why should they be disciplined? They just did something wrong. Three information technology staff, quote, demonstrated a lack of candor about their activities in interviews with the inspector general of the CIA, according to his report. Demonstrated a lack of candor. Some CIA employees said the report acted in a manner inconsistent with the common understanding reached between the Senate Intelligence Committee and the CIA regarding access to a shared classified computer network. So this is all about what the CIA did under the Bush administration. When, um, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, the Brits have now fessed up that they uh, helped out on those extraordinary rendition flights to uh, secret prisons um, in, among other places, Poland and Egypt and Syria. Well, what bad could happen to you in a prison in Egypt and Syria? Um, And I think I've, I've shared with you before on this broadcast the information widely published, although not widely discussed, that the whole enhanced interrogation regime was uh, sold to the CIA by a couple of uh, contractors who basically reverse-engineered the SEER program, S-E-R-E, 
that the U.S. Air Force ran to train its pilots in case they fell into the hands of the Chinese communists during the Korean War. The Chinese communists were known at the time to practice torture. Now, the Convention Against Torture, which the U.S. is signatory to, prohibits torture, requires parties to take effective measures to prevent it in any territory under its jurisdiction. This prohibition is absolute. The uh, absolute prohibition has been accepted as a principle of international law. There are specific obligations to implement this absolute provision, prohibition by investigating and punishing acts of torture. Article 3 prohibits parties from returning, extraditing, or sending any person to a state where there are substantial grounds for believing he would be in danger of being subjected to torture. Hello, Egypt. Hello, Syria. And parties to the convention must promptly investigate any allegation of torture within their jurisdiction. Now... You may already know about this, President Obama's news conference this week on this subject. Even before I came into office, uh, I was very clear that uh, in the immediate aftermath of 9-11, we did some things that were wrong. We did a whole lot of things that were right, but we tortured some folks. We did some things that were contrary to our values. I understand why it happened. Uh, I I think uh, it's important uh, when we look back to recall how afraid people were uh, after uh, the Twin Towers uh, fell and and the Pentagon had been hit and the plane in Pennsylvania had fallen and people did not know whether more attacks were imminent uh, and there was enormous pressure. Uh, on our law enforcement and our national security teams to try to deal with this. Uh, And, um, you know, it's important for us not to uh, feel too sanctimonious in retrospect about the tough job that those folks had. And a lot of those folks uh, uh, were working hard under enormous pressure and our real patriots. But having said all that, we did some things that were wrong. I don't think the Convention Against Torture says uh, you need to denounce torture in a news conference or reject being too sanctimonious. I I didn't see that in the Convention Against Torture, but there are the uh, words to live by. We tortured some folks. Harry, I don't have to listen to your phone calls to know what you're doing. Even before I came into office, even before I came into office, uh, well, I was very clear. We're having a technical problem here, which we will get to right now. You gotta remember, we were really afraid. We'd ignored the warnings, and then we got played. There was panic in the White House, panic at state, panic at the Pentagon, people working really late. They were patriots, they cared and they fought. But the contractors sold, 
Playboy. So we rendered some Arabs with the help of the blokes. Like it or not, we, we tortured some folks. didn't think it was torture per se. That's what the White House counsel said back in the day. Enhanced interrogation is how it was known. So we slapped and waterboarded and froze to the bone. Sure, it violated our values and laws, but we were more scared than when we first saw Jaws. Some very good men did some very bad things. But who among us knows why the caged bird sings? So we tormented some Muslims, then went out for some smokes. It hurts to say it, but we, we tortured, tortured some folks. We could look backwards. We could game the blame. We could point fingers. We could wallow in shame. We could punish the guilty for each little flaw, as we're supposed to do under international law. We could say we're sorry, which we never do, because we're exceptional. And so are you. So let's leave it at this. Let's leave it unseen. Let's look to the future. Wipe the slate clean. You don't want to pursue this. Neither do I. It would be like busting me now because I used to get high. So let's pretend we don't hear the screams and the croaks. And just tell our grandkids we, we torture some folks. No jokes. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Apologies of the Week. So sorry. The Roman Catholic Archbishop of St. Paul in Minneapolis under fire for the way his diocese has dealt with sexually abusive priests apologized this week for his conduct and rejected calls for his resignation. The Archbishop... John C. Neenstedt acknowledged errors in his diocese's response to abuse allegations, writing in a column for the diocesan newspaper that, quote, it's very clear we did not handle all complaints the way we should have in the past. He'd only recently removed from the ministry several priests accused of abuse. American bishops agreed 12 years ago all clergy members facing credible accusations of abuse would be permanently removed from the ministry. Quote, I have never knowingly covered up clergy sexual abuse, Archbishop Neenstedt wrote. I have, however, been too trusting of our internal process and not as hands-on as I could have been in matters of priest misconduct. I don't think your hands-on, sir, with all respect, is really... Well, anyway. Dayline Tokyo, the Japanese unit of Novartis, the big drug company, apologized this week for failing to report to authorities in a timely manner side effects of its leukemia drugs. This is the company's latest scandal in Japan. 
said Japan's Ministry of Health, Labor and Welfare ordered the company to improve its practices after the company did not report side effects of its Gleevec and Tasigna leukemia treatments until around April. The ministry said serious side effects must be reported within a month of their discovery. Such side effects had been known as early as April of last year. We deeply regret we've allowed this situation to arise and offer our deepest apologies to our patients, their families, medical professionals, as well as the public, said the company in a statement. Conservative columnist David Frum has apologized for questioning the authenticity of news photos depicting blood-covered men at a hospital in Gaza. The photos published by the New York Times, the Associated Press and Reuters, showed two blood-covered men who were identified as the sons of a man killed in an Israeli strike in Gaza. In a string of tweets this week from former Bush administration speechwriter, I believe. Is that right? Uh, Declared the photos had been faked. These images do appear authentic, and I should not have cast doubt on them from, wrote Wednesday. I apologize especially to Sergei Ponomarev, the New York Times, whose work I impugned. From, while apologizing, still defended his initial skepticism. Essentia Health in Fargo, North Dakota, has apologized for giving the names and mailing addresses of hundreds of patients to a private marketing company. Not so Essentia after all. The breach came to light in June when about 430 patients received a letter inviting them to a seminar for people with lower back pain. At least one woman complained, and Essentia sent out letters acknowledging the breach and apologizing. A Mississippi Valley Fair official has apologized to special needs kids and their parents after some of the children weren't allowed on some rides. The Quad City Times says some employees of Tom Evans United shows wouldn't let the kids go on the rides, which happened to be special needs day on the fair in Davenport, Iowa. Science Magazine apologized this week to Bay Area Congresswoman Jackie Spire, who had strongly criticized the organization's sexist and controversial cover image. Wow, sounds like Spinal Tap. The cover of the July 11th issue of Science Magazine featured a group of transgender sex workers who were also women of color, wearing short, tight dresses with their heads and faces completely cropped out of the image. The photo ran with a story about HIV-AIDS treatment in Australia. The CEO and executive publisher of Science apologized for the cover image and called it regrettable. R&B star Brandy has publicly apologized to Oprah Winfrey for lying about her marital status on Oprah's former daytime chat show way back in 1995. In a new interview with Winfrey for her Where Are They Now program, Brandy revealed she felt pressured to tell the host that she was married because she was pregnant. In the emotional TV encounter, Brandy tells Oprah, I'm really sorry for that. I mean, you just don't lie to Oprah. Alaska uh, Representative Don Young apologized on Thursday for grabbing a House staffer while trying to enter a GOP conference meeting that was in progress. He said he should never have placed my hands on the young man. Well, see, either you're too hands-on or you're not hands-on enough. According to reports, the staffer was advising the congressman to use another door because the meeting was already in progress. And those are the apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. One more item in the secrecy thing. The Senate report on the CIA's interrogation and rendition practices uh, is not public yet, but some of it has leaked to the Associated Press. 
And it concludes that the CIA initially kept some UN, U.S. ambassadors in the dark about the harsh techniques and secret prisons. It says some ambassadors who were informed about interrogations at so-called black prisons in their countries were instructed not to tell their superiors at the State Department. Among those initially kept in the dark was former Secretary of State Colin Powell. A former senior CIA official said that Powell eventually was informed about the program and sat in meetings in which harsh interrogation techniques were discussed. Powell may not have been informed when the techniques were first used in 2002. Uh, Powell asked for comment by the Associated Press, had none. Smooth move. I had a doctrine. It had my name. Overwhelming force. That was my game. But I played with the grown-ups. And it wasn't the same. They snapped a big towel at the doctrine of Powell. Thank God I still had my smooth moves. I could write a book, and maybe I will. I was trained to lead young people to kill. But when I say follow me, lately they don't. There's that book I could write, but maybe I won't. But I tell myself, Colin, you just keep on rolling with those smooth moves. Just laying down those gravitas grooves. No matter what the intel proves, all I needed was my smooth moves. You know, I, I wanted the White House, but my wife told me no. Pimping for war was as far as I'd go. I served my country, some doctor didn't tell. I was most trusted, then I poisoned my well. But I tell myself, Cola, you just keep on rolling with those smooth moves. Trying not to hear history's hooves. Just as long as the bombs Laying down those smooth moves Yeah, I had a doctrine It said, quote A war needs support From the people who vote An exit strategy We knew that by rote But the grown-up said Hey, just hold our coat Thank God I still had my Smooth moves I could have resigned, 
I could have called foul. But that's just not within the doctrine of power. So I tell myself, Colin, you just keep on rolling with those shoes. And just before we go, some news of the warm. A set of studies based on three years of research concludes that by 2040, the need for drinking water and water for use in energy production will create dire shortages. Conventional electricity generation is the largest source of water use in most countries. Water is used to cool power plants to keep them functional. Most power utilities don't even record the amount of water they use. Quote, it's a huge problem that the electricity sector doesn't even realize how much water they actually consume, says Professor Benjamin Sovakul of Denmark's Aarhus University, one of the institutions involved in the research. Together with the fact that we do not have unlimited water resources, it could lead to a serious crisis if nobody acts on it soon. The research included projections of the availability of water and the growth of the world's population, finding that by 2020, between 30 and 40 percent of the planet will no longer have access directly to clean drinking water. The problem could be made even worse if climate change accelerates, creating more heat, causing more water evaporation. It's the warm, ladies and gentlemen. Have some water. While you can. That's mine. That's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe and the USN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant WBCQ, the planet 7.490 megahertz shortwave, on the mighty 104 in Berlin, via the internet, live and archived, two different locations, harryshearer.com and kcsn.org available for your smartphone through stitcher.org and available as a free podcast through wwno.org sideshow network soundcloud and itunes for free i say and it'd be just like us admitting that we tortured some folks if you'd agree to join with me then would you already thank you very much uh uh-huh Tivit show Chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Hawaii desks. desks. Thanks always to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson at WWNO in New Orleans. Thanks to Adrian Bodnam here at Global Radio in London, home of the gold microphone, for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this broadcast, playlist of the music heard here on, and Cars I Talk t-shirts, available at harryshearer.com. And I'm tweeting at you with news about Nixon's The One, among other things. At the Harry Shearer. Join the 101,000 followers. Be part of the gang. 
Come on, you know you want to. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station for the Change is Easy radio network. So long from London. <laughs>